We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And Fachi is not here with us today because he is doing the, the husbandly thing and taking his wife out on a date. So we miss Fachi. But filling in his stead is the one only Evan Sider from BasketballNews.com. And he's been killing it on his reporting. So, Evan, thanks so much for joining me, man. Absolutely, Alex. I know this week has been super busy. We're already seeing a lot of trades happen, and we were just talking about it off the air. We'll discuss it throughout today's show, but a, a lot of pieces related dominoes once you dive more into it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we did our free agency preview on Tuesday night and stuff started just happening pretty much once we uploaded the show with the Knicks making moves with Detroit. And, and there's so much going on. But before we get into all of these other dominoes, I want to talk real quick about the Indiana Pacers picking up O'Shea Brissett's uh, team option for this year. Uh, Evan, just talk to me a little bit about this and, and if you think this was a good move or a bad move for the Pacers. I think it was perfectly okay for them to do this. I just found it interesting because we saw Lugans Dort with the exact same contract at Oklahoma City. The Thunder declined his option because they want to get him a restricted free agent. They can sign him for cheaper on a long-term deal. I know Tony East of Locked On Pacers was an advocate of that as well, where they should have declined O'Shea's team option, made him restricted, and maybe signed him for cheaper down the road. Because they're playing a, a game almost like Jalen Brunson last year. Obviously, O'Shea, I don't think, is on that level of Jalen Brunson, of course. But you're playing the dangerous game now where if O'Shea is your full-time four next year, which currently is slot into that unless they make a move here this offseason, if he has a really good year, Alex, he could really price himself out of Indiana now. They don't really have any flexibility in case that does happen. 
Yeah, I mean, $1.8 million is what the option is for that they picked up this year. So that's what he's getting paid. Had they done an extension, I believe Bobby Marks put it out, they can extend him, I think, around March. So they could still get an extension done later in the year. Maybe they're just kind of pushing the date back until then, which could make some sense. But if you were if you're looking at maybe giving him an extension, what would that have looked like for you in terms of how much money you'd be willing to give him per year? I think I would have gave him something along the lines of $8 million per year, like something yeah. like – 835, like just over 8 million per year. I think something like that makes a lot of sense. 35 million over four years. I, I think he's definitely earned like a, a Tory and Prince like contract. I think that's what Prince got from the Timberwolves recently on that extension. So I think O'Shea's in that similar category as Tory and Prince. I'd say around seven, eight million dollars per year. How about you? Yeah, that's exactly where I was at. I was texting some buddies and I said three for 24 to 27, <laughs> right there in that range. I didn't know if they'd want to go four years, but I mean, at least a three year deal, two with a team option or player option. And honestly, I think you can kind of look at what TJ McConnell got and use that as a baseline for for what you're going to offer O'Shea. Because, look, O'Shea more than likely is best as a backup. No offense to O'Shea. Um, But with this Pacers team this season, he could be a starter. So I just feel like he's kind of in that could start, but he's probably better as a rotational guy than he is a starter for for a good team. But I do believe in his upside. I think that he really flourished. Um, towards the last couple of months, obviously they were trying to lose games, but I felt like once Carlisle kind of let him be who he is, he played a lot better. Oh yeah. He's definitely a player that's super underrated and a player that's grown on me. Like I had no idea who O'Shea, O'Shea Brissett was when he first joined the Pacers from the Raptors. And now he's really grown to a con- contributing role player. And I think a lot of NBA teams would have been interested in Brissett if he did indeed reach the market because he's one of those guys that he can shoot threes, he's a versatile defender. He's a good guy in the locker room as well. Like those guys are hard to come by nowadays and they're such a hot commodity. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, obviously with the Pacers picking up that small option for 1.8 million, James Boyd had that uh, reporter for the Indy star. So kudos to him for getting that scoop. But I I do want to talk to you a little bit about how all these moves that happened over the last couple of days could really play a factor in what the Pacers do with point guard Malcolm Brogdon, who pretty much feels like a done deal to be traded. And they didn't do it at the draft, which was a little bit surprising. But at the same time, I think teams are kind of holding out. And I, and I talked about how these dominoes will have to fall in order for the Pacers to make that move because other teams are probably more interested in guys that have already been dealt. So uh, we know DeJounte Murray was traded today to the Atlanta Hawks for Danilo Gallinari and I believe it was three first round picks and a pick swap. So a pretty massive haul there from the Hawks to get Murray. Talk to me about this trade and how that impacts the Pacers. Yeah, huge move today. And honestly, it kind of signals to me that the Spurs are the first team this year. And I hope for the Pacers sake, they join this if they haven't already as well, the, the tank racer, Victor one Ben Yama, because he looks like a generational prospect and them trading away DeJounte Murray to the, to the Hawks really kind of signals they're going to do that. And then obviously I'm a huge fan of DeJounte Murray. He's a great Phoenix to Trey Young as far as defensively goes. I think if they keep John Collins or not, this team with Murray and Trey Young, plus DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella, Onyeka Kongwu for defense, I think they should be like a top six, seven seed in the East this year. So they're a team to me that feels like a lock for the playoffs now. I love the fit with Murray. I think him and, Mur- and Trey Young will mesh together well as an offense-defense kind of combination. So I'm a fan of that. I mean, I think DeJounte Murray's a guy in a different system on a better team where he could really thrive. Do you think three picks and a pick swap was a bit of an overpay for Murray? Yeah, I think it could have been for sure. I also like trying to think who was probably going to join Trey Young the next couple of years as a superstar in the offseason. Probably DeJounte Murray a couple of years from now might be the guy that's probably the best option that realistically could have went to the Hawks because I just can't imagine them pulling a superstar player uh, in free agency, maybe like a trade like we saw with DeJounte Murray. But I think Murray is a guy to me like, 
Drew Holiday, when they made that trade, the Bucks did. I'm not saying he's on that level of a Drew Holiday just yet, but he's a guy to me, like, in a true winning situation, he could impact things. He's just now entering his prime years, too. So if the Hawks are betting, because they obviously are betting on DeJounte Murray and Trae Young, they really do a lot of good things for him. Unprotected in 2025 and 2027, it is rare nowadays, Alex, if you see picks that far out, get used with unprotections on it. I think it's something the Pacers should look out for as well. We'll talk about later in the show, but like a pick like that down the road, like a 2027 or 2028 unprotected. Those are the picks you should be looking out for if you're trying to be a rebuilding team the Spurs are. Yeah, and, that, and to me, my first reaction was, man, that's a lot of picks for DeJounte Murray, who is a one-time all-star. It, to me, it felt like a bit of an overpay here for Atlanta, but at the same time, they're trying to win now. San Antonio is trying to lose, so it does make sense what they're thinking here. And, you know, as my group chat that I was talking with continued to just like praise this pick or praise this trade, I should say, I was like, okay, maybe I'm just overreacting because it's really hard to like, you know, get a good evaluation of like, oh, are these picks worth it or not? Because you just never know what they're going to be. But I think those picks always help you leverage wise moving forward. And I think Dan Favalli had a tweet that just listed all of the Hawks or excuse me, the Spurs picks that they had moving forward. And it is like a mother load. So they're, they're, they're not quite OKC level yet, but they're catching up. So, you know, I, I do think that's important, but talk to me a little bit about how this totally impacts the Pacers and potentially Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. And I think we saw another move today too, with the wizards and yeah. we'll hit on that as well, where the point guard dominoes now are starting to fall out. And we're seeing around the league, I think it'd be a stunner at this point. If Jalen Brunson doesn't go to the New York Knicks, I think he's setting up these meetings with the heat and the Mavericks just to avoid tampering because we've been hearing about Brunson the Knicks now for over a week before free agency started. So that's probably just my prediction there. They're probably just doing that behind the scenes to make sure they avoid a tampering charge. But I'd expect Brunson goes to the Knicks, which knocks them out of the Brogdon race. We saw the Wizards make a trade today, getting Monty Morris on board, who I think is an underrated point guard, but I think kind of shows he's only making $8 million per year. So they're definitely going the cheaper, younger route with Monty Morris. He's a very reliable guy and really has had the injury concerns that Malcolm Brogdon does. And then from there, I mean, the other domino with Atlanta, we heard rumors potentially about Malcolm Brogdon to Atlanta. That's off the board now for sure. And maybe they can do something with John Collins, but I don't think it makes sense at all now, especially with DeJounte Murray there for Brogdon to go to Atlanta. So I think Alex made the Pacers kind of overplayed their hands on draft night. We kept hearing for a couple of weeks before the draft that the Pacers are getting offers in the lottery for Brogdon. They were there. They were saying all around the league that they had offer, offers on them out there. If they had good offers, Alex, the trigger would have been pulled on draft night or what would have already been pulled, like we just saw the Spurs do with DeJounte Murray. So I think the Pacers at this point, I think teams around the league know they need to get off Brogdon as soon as possible to open up more minutes for Matherin, Duarte, Halliburton, Andrew Nemhart as well. So I, I think the Pacers are kind of getting squeezed out here by the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, when you play your cards and you're just basically showing everybody what you got, they know that you're going to have to play it eventually, so they're not going to overpay for it. Um, the Pacers could hold on, obviously, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, they're not going to have much leverage because Malcolm Brogdon is a guy that, you know, probably wants to be out of Indiana and into a better situation. But looking at looking at potential teams that could have interest in him, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to I talk to you about Monty Morris going to Washington. This is um, a trade that actually I like for both teams. Don't get me wrong. I don't really know how much Ish Smith makes a difference there in Denver, but I really do like K, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope's KCP's fit out there in Denver. And I think Monty Morris and Will Barton could be good with with Washington. So I honestly like it was one of those trades where I felt like it was pretty fair value all around. But you think Monty Morris is a, is a better point guard option than Malcolm Brogdon? I think as far as availability and consistency, I don't know about on-court production, but when Brogdon's on the court, he for sure is a huge upgrade over Morris. But the injury concerns, I think, might be the reason, obviously, why Brogdon has been moved yet. I think he might be viewed 
as a negative asset around the league just because of those injury concerns. And Monty Morris has shown throughout his career when he's getting minutes consistently that he can play 70 plus games every single season. So I think as far as availability goes, as far as price goes, I would lean Monty Morris, but as far as on-court production, for sure, I would definitely lean Malcolm Brogdon there. Maybe the Wizards are still an option, but I don't know now, especially Catavius Caldwell-Pope in that salary, a huge expiring contract. I don't know if that's an option anymore, but as far as the trade between the Wizards and the Nuggets, like you mentioned, Alex, I think it's a win-win trade for both sides. I love KCP with Nicole Jokic. I think it's an upgrade for them over Will Barton, and I think, like you mentioned, Monty Morris and Will Barton could be good fits alongside Bradley Beal. I don't know how big of an impact they could be in Washington, but they're solid guys. Yeah, and they got Johnny Davis, too, so that might open some more playing time for him as well, uh, taking KCP out of the mix. But, um, yeah, I, I want to go to the Knicks here because it's been reported that, you know, they're very heavily interested in Jalen Brunson. You talked about how Chris Haynes threw out that report that Miami is going to get a meeting, and so is Dallas. Probably, like you said, trying to avoid tampering charges here at the Knicks. But it, it seems all but a done deal that Jalen Brunson is going to the Knicks, and they're we're also in talks to try to acquire DeJounte Murray. So um, even if we anticipate Brunson going to New York, do you think there's any possibility that they would still be interested in adding another guard, maybe someone similar to Malcolm Brogdon? It certainly seemed that way. And I love the fit of DeJounte Murray and Jalen Brunson if that were to happen in New York. But definitely Brogdon's not on the level of DeJounte Murray, but can provide a lot of similar things as far as being a guy who's just crafty with the ball in his hands. He can score on all three levels. So I think as far as cheap value of Brogdon compared to, to um, DeJounte Murray, I think it makes a lot of sense for sure, Alex. And I'm looking at the Knicks roster right now, and they have some expiring contracts on their roster still. They moved off most of them, Kemba Walker, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, but maybe if you can get like Cam Reddish back in a deal for, for Malcolm Brogdon, maybe Cam Reddish and, and like an Evan Fournier, and maybe just get off the contract and maybe they give you an extra pick in the future. I think that can make some sense for the Pacers. Yeah, I think that actually be a pretty interesting trade because the Pacers getting a young wing in Cam Reddish. There was someone that was he was somebody that was rumored to the Pacers had interest in before he was dealt to New York last year. So I would keep my eyes on that, especially if there's any intrigue from the Knicks side of things and wanting Brogdon to pair with R.J. Barrett and uh, Jalen Brunson here in the future. But in terms of some other teams that could make some sense, were there anybody else? Is there anybody else you were thinking of that could have interest in Malcolm Brogdon? Yeah, it's interesting because we really have been thinking this whole time, the Knicks, maybe there's still some interest if we just went over there, Alex, but the Knicks, the Wizards were the two most linked to Brogdon throughout this whole process. And the team that immediately came to mind to me with the very strong likelihood that Jalen Brunson does go to the New York Knicks is the Dallas Mavericks. I think the Mavericks could be a really good pivot option for the Pacers to make a trade here. I doubt they do a sign-in trade now just because the Knicks have the salary cap room to, to sign Jalen Brunson outright to a deal the Mavericks can't match. So I, I think it'd just be a straight-up salary dump there. It wouldn't be a trade exception involved, I imagine. So with the Mavericks, they do have some intriguing expiring contracts on the books. They have a Dwight Powell. They have a Maxi Kleba. If you want to sign him long-term as well, he could be an option there. Josh Green is a good young player. So maybe like a Dwight Powell and Josh Green plus a heavily protected pick, maybe that can make, make sense for Pacers a little bit. Because I think Jeremy Grant and that trade we saw earlier, Alex, where he kind of just got off his contract for expiring contracts and some salary relief. I think it's kind of what the Pacers are facing here. It's probably a return value a lot less than Pacers can expect, probably more so just a salary dump situation. Yeah, and that, and that does seem a little bit like, uh, you know, like, hey, that kind of sucks. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like you're just trying to clear playing, uh, you know, playing time for these guys on the roster. And if you have Brogdon, you clearly have to pay, uh, play him because you, you want to get his value up and show that he's healthy and that kind of stuff. So it does make a lot of sense. 
the Mavericks, though, like you said, they don't have a lot of interesting pieces on their roster. So um, for some reason, if the Knicks decided that they would be willing to work with Dallas to do a sign-and-trade, and maybe if they do this, that would help them avoid tampering situations, right? I mean, maybe they just say, we'll work something out so uh, we can we can maybe get something in return. Is there any way the Pacers could do a three-team trade with New York and with Dallas on a sign-and-trade? I think it could be possible, not 100% sure there, but I think it'd be really interesting if the Mavericks did do a sign-and-trade with Brunson because they could generate a pretty sizable traded player exception they could use immediately for a player like Malcolm Brogdon. So that could make it even more feasible for a team that's trying to get off a point guard like the Pacers, where if they were to get a traded player exception for Jalen Brunson in this deal, they could absorb that, maybe get like an extra pick or two involved, where they don't take back extra salaries. So the Pacers could gain a lot of salary, 20 plus million dollars, and maybe get a pick or two in the process there. That could be something to watch out for. But I don't know technically for sure if they can get involved in a three-team deal right now, mm -hmm. just because Brunson is a technically unrestricted free agent. So it might be a situation where the, they do it themselves, where just a two-team sign-in trade, maybe they can add more teams later on. Yeah, I was just curious. I kept thinking to myself, well, like if you put the package that you had for Brogdon with the Knicks, like maybe we they send Brunson to New York, then New York sends Fournier, and um, who was the other player that you said in that? Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. Cam, yeah, Cam Reddish to Indiana, then Brogdon goes to Dallas. That could be something that could make a little bit more sense for all parties involved, and then the Pacers don't have to worry about basically taking the scraps from uh, from – Dallas because they really just don't have a ton to offer. I mean, I, it's hard to pull three team trades off. I totally get it, but that was just something that crossed my mind. Um, another team that I think you had mentioned was Miami. Um, let's talk about that. What do you think about Miami and Malcolm Brock? Yeah, it's interesting to me just simply because we see the meeting today with reported meeting. We don't know if it's going to happen still yet because like we mentioned already, it could just be simply avoiding tampering charges with the Knicks, but Miami and Jalen Brunson have a meeting scheduled tomorrow in New York according to Chris Hands of Yahoo Sports. So that means they could be in the market for a point guard upgrade over Kyle Lowry. He is entering into the twilight of his career. Maybe you could pull off a deal here with like a Kyle Lowry going to a third team, the Heat get Malcolm Brogdon, and maybe the third team sends back some of the Pacers. Or if it's a simple two-team trade, maybe Duncan Robinson's contract and maybe one of their young guys like a Gabe Benson for a Malcolm Brogdon. Maybe that could be something that intrigues the Pacers. But these obviously these these packages, Alex, aren't the best, but I think it's kind of situation the Pacers are in now where they're probably going to have to accept like 20 cents on the dollar now. Yeah, and I actually don't hate the idea of Duncan Robinson. I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to pay him that much money, but uh, I think his contract's about $5.1, $5.6 million less per year. Uh, so the Pacers would be saving roughly $16 million over three years if they were to just basically trade Robinson straight up for Brogdon. And I think that could be enticing because Robinson, you know, he's six foot seven. He might not be a great defender, but we know Carlisle likes shooters. So I could see where they would be able to plug Robinson into the offense and, and maybe just be a little bit more versatile position wise with, with him instead of Brogdon. But not saying I love that deal, obviously, um, but if you could get a young player, like I don't know if Gabe Vincent would be someone that could snag away, but um, a Max Struess, any of those kind of guys, I mean, obviously Max Struess and, and Duncan is kind of redundant there because Max took a Duncan's spot in the rotation, but I, I get what you're saying. I think that there is something there to look at as well, but um, uh, any other teams that you think could make some sense here for Brogdon? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think one that we should talk about that I think is unrealistic from the Pacers side, but maybe it is growing more and more realistic by the day because we do know there was an offer presented by this team for Malcolm Brogdon. The Pacers declined it, but the Los Angeles Lakers, Ox, I know Pacers fans are probably groaning at the idea of Russell Westbrook, but we heard the offer for about THT Westbrook in the 2027 pick to the Pacers for Brogdon. They declined that. Do you think that at all they circle back around if there's not anything else that's better for them? Man, I have no idea. Um, I will say this when <laughs> – I would just say that I think the Pacers front office kind of laughed at this when they heard this trade <laughs> from what I've been told. So uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think they believe in it. And I don't think that they can, you know, sell Herb Simon on the idea of trading for Russell Westbrook and then cutting him because he's like, why am I paying $47 million to a guy that's not playing for my team? So that's where I think there could be some issues in terms of like Herb Simon signing off on this type of deal. But I wouldn't be opposed to maybe doing this deal if that's what's the best offer out there in terms of maybe getting picks. But this is almost one of those deals where you could make it at the trade deadline and it might seem a little bit more feasible than doing it in the offseason. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I could see that for sure. But the thing to me is at this point, I would definitely not want Malcolm Brogdon on this team, even for opening night. At yeah. this point, you prioritize the young guys. You prioritize even a guy like Andrew Nemhart to get minutes next year over Malcolm Brogdon, over TJ McConnell. You let Tyrese Halliburton and Ben Matherin cook in the backcourt there. Chris Duarte gets heavy minutes as well. Isaiah Jackson, maybe Jalen Smith is back as well. O'Shea Bursette. You let all these young guys really soak up all these minutes, Alex. I don't think there's any reason. I don't think it'd be wise in the Pacers' part to impede on any early development for Matherin or guys like that with keeping Brogdon around. Yeah, the only thing that could make sense is like if they did do that trade with the Knicks where they get Evan Fournier back in the deal, then they flip Fournier and Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook at the trade deadline. And if they're able to get a pick from the Lakers for like 2027 unprotected, then you basically just have Westbrook for three months and you can probably cut him at that point. And I think that could be more understandable, more accepting of from Herb Simon than all year long. I think that to me would make some sense because then you have a ton of cap space for the next offseason as well. And you'd be able to get an extra pick, which would be very beneficial in trying to make moves as you move forward, especially if you get yourself in a situation like you're in now where you're trying to like scrape the barrel to get Brogdon out of here. Yeah, it really is a tough situation pace to have themselves in because Brogdon's a super good player. He's on the court, but these health concerns have really dinged his value. And I think a lot of teams would rather just roll the dice on a a cheaper, like maybe more reliable piece like Washington did today with Monty Morris, where they can rely on him and pay $15 million less to get him. Yeah. So a couple of teams that I threw out at you, we were going back and forth in a, in a message before we got on here. Um, Brooklyn is a, it's a team I threw out last night on our draft or excuse me. I'm, I'm so draft focused still our free agency preview podcast. And I just threw out the idea of maybe like Joe Harris and a first round pick for Malcolm Brogdon. Do you think that's asking too much? I think 
I definitely think it maybe makes a little sense. But I don't know if the Pacers would do that. I mean, maybe they would, but I just don't know if Joe Harris fits the timeline anymore. If I'm the Pacers, I'm trying to trade Brogdon. At this point, I'm just trying to get an expiring salary or like you mentioned, like the draft picks. Like that's what I value at this point. Just getting off Brogdon's contract and maybe getting a draft pick in the process because I don't want to bring back any salaries that last past this, this upcoming season if I'm Indiana. Do you not think you could trade Joe Harris at the deadline? Oh, certainly. Yeah, you certainly could. I just don't know, like, if, like, a veteran like Joe Harris who wants to be on a win-now team wouldn't, like, maybe try his best in a situation like this. I don't. I mean, maybe that's against that because we saw Buddy Heel kind of come to Indiana and really do well, and maybe he's a, a piece to the puzzle now for next season. But I don't know. I, that, that's just personally <laughs> what I would do as far as the route I would go. Yeah, so that well, there's an idea for a three-team trade that just kind of popped in my head with the Lakers. Pacers and Nets, you send, you send Buddy Heald and Joe Harris out to the Lakers. You take back Russell Westbrook, but you also get uh, Brogdon going to the Nets, and then you get, you know, that 2023 20, pick from Philadelphia that the Nets currently have, and the Pacers get that. They also get a pick from the Lakers. I think that, to me, makes a little bit of sense because they're getting two picks instead of just one. And, um, you know, there's just so many different ways to go about doing it. I just – I like the idea of getting picks and – um, at this point, you would easily just wave, wave Russell Westbrook. There's no reason he should even be on this roster. I think they're overthinking it when it comes to, like, you know, not wanting to pay him, uh, even if he's not playing. Like, look at what the Rockets are doing. Like, this is the perfect time to do it. We've heard Chad Buchanan, and I think Kelly Kroskoff said this today on the Sideline Guys podcast. It's going to be a slow rebuild. So that, to me, would scream slow rebuild right there, just unloading rock, unloading positions or players, excuse me, to, to free up more time for – these young guys to actually get development. And I think to me that makes more sense than trying to get a guy that can maybe help you, you know, win a few games here now instead of trying to develop. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. You brought that up. I haven't heard that just yet about Kelly Crosscoff. And that's the case then for sure. The pace should be all aboard doing something like the Russell Westbrook trade where, yeah, you, you're paying $47 million, but in the grand scheme of things, you're saving more money down the road. So I, I think for a team like Indiana, you should be prioritizing, the young guys and losing games next year. If this is going to be a slow rebuild, you're going to be really bad next year, in my opinion. Try to get a top five pick next year. So that, that's what I'd be about. If it means you get Russell Westbrook on the Pacers for like two days and those that want to get a Pacers jersey of Russell Westbrook and spend that money and go ahead and do so, it'd be a really unique item to have. But yeah, he would never suit up against the Pacers. I, that'd be stunning <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What about, what about a team like Minnesota? They've got this expiring contract of D'Angelo Russell. It's clearly... Um, it's it's clearly that um, they're trying to get off of him, right? Would you accept it? Would you be willing to take on D'Angelo Russell if they'd be willing to take back Malcolm Brogdon? Maybe you give him Goga Batadze as well to kind of help even out the salaries a little bit. You're going to end up eating about $4 million in salary, but take back a lottery protected pick from Minnesota. And now you've got D'Angelo Russell's $31 million on expiring. Do you think that makes sense for both teams? I think it's something they should explore. And I think it's interesting and kind of sad at the same time with, uh, according to Jake Fisher on his latest podcast, D'Angelo Russell, the Timberwolves have been calling around about around the NBA that gauges trade value and not a single team has shown any interest in D'Angelo Russell, which it, this shows the Timberwolves are in a bad spot there. Maybe they can attach a pick alongside D'Lo to get off of him in this situation. I think it makes sense for the Pacers too, like just roll the dice on D'Angelo Russell as a sixth man next year. Like, I, it'd be fun to see that. I mean, he's taking up some minutes there, but at least a young guy on the same timeline as his team. So I'd roll the dice there. Maybe you do Malcolm Brogdon, TJ McConnell, for example, and then you bring back D'Angelo Russell in a pick. I think that can make some sense. 
Yeah, I just I wonder how much the Pacers are willing to give up on a guy like TJ McConnell because I know that he's very important to their culture. So I know that sounds crazy, but I, that's I've heard that from multiple different sources. So I, I do believe that they want to keep him here. Now they could go a little bit bigger and trade Buddy and Malcolm, which would free up that backup shooting guard position for D'Angelo Russell to play. And then maybe you're uh, also getting back maybe like Malik Beasley or something like that because he makes about $15 million uh, over the next two years. And that would actually be pretty even salary as well. And that trade would work. I mean, it's just, it's just an idea. It does help the Timberwolves, I think overall, because Brogdon to me is the best player in the deal. And I think Buddy Hill could be a really nice score off the bench for Minnesota because um, they, they could use that. But I, overall, I think Minnesota is an interesting team to keep an eye on just because we know that there's a lot of potential there. Um, other than that, I had a couple more teams. I won't overkill on every one of them that I'm talking about here, but uh, I do like the idea of, of potentially looking at Utah. I don't like what Utah really has, but if they'd be willing to to trade Bojan Bogdanovic's uh, expiring contract for Brogdon, that'd be enticing. Uh, I believe him and Conley are actually owed the same amount of money over the same amount of years. So uh, definitely do not want Conley back on this team. And then other than that, any any intrigue maybe from Charlotte? Do you think Charlotte could have interest? Yeah, maybe Charlotte a little bit if you are willing to take back Terry Rozier. I see yeah. that's maybe, maybe a tough fit there unless you take back Rozier. Uh, I think Utah is very interesting, though, because they need. I, I was actually on ESPN radio out in Salt Lake City yesterday, and they were talking about just moves on the margins the Jazz should make because they don't expect a big office in there in Salt Lake City outside of what could happen here with Rudy Gobert. And I think Bojan Bogdanovic is certainly a guy that can make a lot of sense because I think he's probably the most attainable guy on that team, a huge expiring contract, would save the pace a lot of money. I think Bojan could be a guy you could flip in February for more than what you just gave for Brogdon in that situation. So I think that certainly makes a lot of sense. Kind of help out Bojan, be a veteran leader for a couple months, get him on a contending team in February and get a first-round pick maybe again in the process. So I actually love that idea. If you can flip Brogdon plus maybe the Cavs pick for Bojan in a future pick, then you flip Bojan again for another pick down the road in February. I think that can make some sense there. Maybe if you don't want to do Bojan Bogdanovic, Royce O'Neal could be a solid veteran. He's on a cheap tier contract. Maybe like Wancho, Hernan Gomez, and Royce O'Neal for Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know know if that's of interest to you, though, Alex. Yeah, I think it makes some sense. I just – I know that I believe um, Royce O'Neal's contract is over, what, two or three years left still on the deal? Yeah, two years. Yeah, it's it's still affordable. It's not a bad – what is it, like 10 to 12 million, something like that? Last time I looked, I can't remember. It is um, nine, nine million. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's nothing at all. I know Watchers is around seven, right? So, yeah, I mean, it does make sense. I think I think the Bojan ship has sailed a little bit in Utah. Uh, he he's clearly is not the same player he was in the 2017-18 uh, on the Pacers squad when they went to the playoffs and had a really fun series against the Cavs. I think he's a little bit older now. But, you know, I think Bojan likes Indiana. I don't think he'd be a problem if he came here, and especially – Knowing the front office, they could be just open with him. Hey, look, you know, we're going to bring you in here to be a veteran. We will probably start you. I think he could start definitely at the three, and maybe you play Matherin at the two and just figure it out and say, hey, we're going to try to flip you, you know, come December to a contender. We'll work with you. And if at least if they're open about it, I think he might be more receptive of the idea. It doesn't stunt the growth completely of your young players because it's only going to be for a few months. So that that is something that I'd be more intrigued by than taking back in a you know a, a loaded contract and and Mike Conley. But other than that, I, I can't really think of any other teams that make a ton of sense unless for some reason, as wild as it sounds, OKC'd be willing to eat the contract and give us something for it. Yeah, I mean. 
that, that's just the options we're resorting to now because it's hard to think of many other options for the Pacers. And we just went through a whole list of teams and the, I don't think any offers really screamed out the Pacers should accept that right away. So it's kind of the predicament they're in now. Maybe the Pelicans can make some sense just thinking out loud here, Alex, because obviously we saw Jose Alvarado last year. Maybe if you if think they're willing to give Alvarado in a no. deal for Brogdon, I doubt that. So, no. And they just got Dyson Daniels. So I don't, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense there with the Pelicans because I thought about them before they got Dyson Daniels. Other than that, I mean, does Toronto make any sense? I mean, th- that's yeah, a look, weird. I'm look. looking through teams right now, and it's hard to really find many others. Maybe if you're willing to take on, because they have actually a lot of salary this year, so they could be a team that could maybe make a win now. But what about Memphis? Yeah, that's a team I thought about as well. Memphis, I mean, what, what would they be willing to give up for him? Um, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot. In terms what about of, what about just Stephen Adams' expiring contract in the pick? I'd probably do that. Yeah, and then cut Stephen Adams. Cut Stephen Adams or play him as your backup center. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, they don't really have any center depth unless you're wanting to play Isaiah Jackson at the backup center. I mean, that's that's their best backup center. I don't really count Goga Batadze as a long-term piece here. So, you know, it, it, it sounds so, like, disrespectful when you're looking at all these Brockton deals. But like you said, it's kind of the place we're at right now. There's probably going to be a team that comes out of nowhere that's really likes him or that's very intrigued by him. I just I just don't know what it is. I think Miami is kind of a sleepy team or a sleeper team for him. Not a sleepy team, but a sleeper team for him. And uh, other than that, I, I don't throw know. one more your way. I, I, one more has popped in my head and. Ironically enough, I haven't brought them up because I think it actually makes a lot of sense. And I wrote about them as a fit on basketballnews.com last month when I brought potential destinations. What about Phoenix? Yeah, what what would the trade look like there? So let's just say, let's not get DeAndre in or anything involved here. I'll just say it's a straight-up Brogdon deal. What about Jay Crowder as a veteran? Or maybe he'll probably want to get bought out in that situation. But Jay Crowder and Dario Sarge's expiring contracts plus campaign, his partial guaranteed contract, for Malcolm Brogdon. So it's pretty much just a salary dump with a couple of veterans. Sarge is still recovering from a torn ACL, so he probably won't even play next year. And then you bring in campaign as a backup guard. He might not play. And then Jay Crowder as a veteran tough guy, or maybe if he doesn't want to play, you cut him. Yeah, that's three for one. Seems like a lot of players for the Pacers that already have a pretty loaded roster. So they'd have to make more cuts along the way. I think you could probably get this deal done with just Crowder and Sarge. Um, I feel like if I were the Suns, I'd be trying to unload Landry Shamitz, $9.5 million over the next four years just because it's a lot of money to offer uh, a guy for four years, especially when they know they got to uh, pay Cam Johnson coming up here soon. But, yeah, I, I think I would do something like this. Um, it, it would sure would be nice if maybe we did, um, you know, Cam Johnson with Landry Shamit. I think that would be really enticing, <laughs> you know, just to oh, get yeah. that contract. But, I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. Obviously, we know Aaron Holiday is now an unrestricted free agent because they did not extend the qualifying offer to him, and so they do need some point guard depth. Yeah, I actually kind of like the fit there, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, you said you don't want to bring DeAndre Ayton up, but if the Pacers did a sign-and-trade for DeAndre Ayton with Malcolm Brogdon, that could make a lot of sense. Yeah, I actually was thinking about this, and this is, a, I think, a very realistic option if indeed the Pacers want to go down this route because we had this whole episode on setting the pace of those who haven't listened yet go ahead and do so where I was on with Alex and Fachi talking about DeAndre Ayton and his fit for about an hour and I think he definitely makes a lot of sense in Indy and I think they could be a sleeper team to watch out for here because I saw you tweet out right before we started recording Alex that video from Brian Winhorst on ESPN saying the Suns value DeAndre Ayton and not at a max but then they can find someone else on a similar tier that makes less money 
that give him similar production. And I think Miles Turner kind of fits exactly that. And I think yeah. it, and in that situation, I also saw the video from Bob Kravitz today. I forget where, exactly where it was from, but him saying that there's a possibility that Miles Turner could get moved. I think it's a situation with the Pacers where if Sun falls in their lap and then get a young star big man for the price of Miles Turner, that's probably a situation where that's the one scenario where they can move Miles. Uh, do you agree with that? Like if Sun falls in their lap like this with DeAndre, that's the one situation probably move Miles. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and it's really funny because, like, if you look at the, like, betting odds, like, Indiana's at the top of the line there for Miles Bridges, for Colin Sexton, and for DeAndre Ayton in terms of betting odds. So it's kind of like, okay, who else is up there with them? Detroit was up there for a little bit, but now after acquiring Nerlens Noel, you know, trading in the draft with the Knicks for Jalen Duran, like, they're pretty much got their they pretty much got their center position solidified. The Indian Pacers, their two centers right now on the roster are both on expiring contracts and Goga and Miles Turner. Look, at this point, Miles Turner is a guy that I know is very interested in, in coming back and playing with Halliburton and things like that. But it just feels like we've heard so many trade rumors for so long. A lot of people have reported that Turner wants to test the free agent market come this offseason, the next offseason in 2023. So to me, it screams, why, why even take that risk of losing him in free agency? And then the fact that they weren't willing to you know, do an extension with O'Shea Brissett. To me, the Pacers, in my opinion, are trying to keep their options open here to make a big splash. They're just pretty quiet. I think a lot of the smoke around Brogdon during the draft draft stuff, I don't know if it was from Indiana or not, but I think they were really trying to get him out there to try to move him. But in, in, terms, of, in terms of Turner, there wasn't a lot of smoke. It's been pretty quiet on their front, which for the last three seasons, it's been very, very loud. Oh, this team wants Turner. Turner's, you know, and talks with this team, like, there is so much going on, but now it's kind of died down, which would, it wouldn't surprise me if they decide to flip him, like you said, for somebody that makes sense. And, you know, in the proposal that I brought to the table, I was talking about Brogdon, but do you think it would have to be Turner in, in this case if you're going to try to get DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, and the B, I believe, base annual or base annual, whatever it is, BAC is like the base annual salary or whatever the number is on this is because DeAndre Ayton and his sign trade He'll host sign for his $30.5 million for his max contract wherever he goes via sign and trade. But entering out into a deal, DeAndre Ayton only counts as $15 million to the Sun. So it'd have to be a really interesting sign and trade in this scenario where you'd have to only bring back $15 million or less for the Sun side of things. If you make it more than that in this scenario where it'd be for Miles Turner or for Malcolm Brogdon, you would need to throw more players involved in this or make it a multi-team deal. So if you want to avoid that, it would be a multi-team deal for both sides. Alex, I want to hear your thoughts on this deal because I made it up before mm -hmm. we got on the show. It would be Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, and O'Shea Bursett at $1.8 million, who they just or accepted his team option for, for DeAndre on a max contract, Dario Saric, and Jay Crowder. If you add both those expiring contracts, the salaries are almost identical as far as that goes. So I think it's very interesting that you could have Aiton go to Indiana, get a number one role offensively, and you'd have Miles Turner, who's rep, rep of the exact same agent, by the way, Bill Duffy, who go to a better situation in Phoenix 
for a win now situation. And Malcolm Brogdon, who also shares the same agent as Chris Paul. So if you connect all these dots here, I think it actually makes a lot of sense where I think Malcolm Brogdon would be open to come off the bench in Phoenix. I think Miles Turner would be open to a long-term extension for Jeeper in Phoenix because they're a win now team in a title window. I think for Indiana with DeAndre Aiden, that's a situation where there's not a lot of options right now where you can go be a number one scoring option. But I think Indiana might be one of those teams we're not talking about. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I, I just can't imagine Brogdon accepting a bench role, but I do think he could start next to Chris Paul and Devin Booker because he is six foot five and he is uh, better at guarding those bigger wings. I, I think that if you look at the way basketball is played now, um, I think he'd fit fine. I know it's weird to like label him as a small forward, but like whatever, it doesn't really matter. I think him on the perimeter with Devin Booker and Chris Paul, like he's going to get a lot of open shots. They'd obviously have bridges to play there at the four and be a little bit of a, a bigger role for him going down a position in terms of players he's guarding because we know Drake, Jay Crowder did a good job guarding most of those fours and then Turner at the five. To me, this feels like too big of a deal um, for what the Suns want because they still got to figure out the Camp Johnson situation. And if they let Miles walk, I could see that in free agency the next year. O'Shaver said, uh, I'm not overly concerned about if the Pacers trade him or not. Like, I know a lot of fans are like, that's a lot to give up for just DeAndre Ayton, which I would probably agree with. I would probably say no to this deal if I'm Indiana, just because I feel like I'm giving up a lot uh, just for one guy where I think I could maybe, maybe you know, cash in on both Turner and Brogdon in separate deals and get something better than DeAndre Ayton because Sarge and Crowder to me are not part of the Pacers future whatsoever. You're just trying to get off that money, which, which does make sense. Um, overall though, I feel like it would just make more sense to do the sign and trade of uh, DeAndre Ayton for Turner. Yeah. I don't necessarily think from what I was reading, I think there was a whole long Reddit post and I think, uh, our friends at the, I think it's the Bright Side Pod. I can't remember what they're called. I feel really bad, but it's a great Suns podcast at the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Um, and uh, I believe Sam Cooper and Mike Vigil are the, the two co-hosts of that show. And they uh, they were talking about how it actually be a percentage in terms of the amount of money that the, the Suns could take back. So in this scenario, I do think that Miles Turner's $18 million is just enough um, percentage-wise where they could do that straight up without having to include any extra money. Okay, that makes some sense then. I think maybe if you can bring back Miles Turner and you attach maybe the Cleveland pick, because I think yeah. the, the Suns have probably lost value where you probably can't get like a the Pacers on 2023 pick. I, I The Pacers shouldn't do that either if that's a scenario. Getting up a potential top five pick in next year's draft for DeAndre Aid. But I think something along the lines of, let's say, Miles Turner plus, let's say, the Cavs pick. And if it's possible, O'Shea Bursa on top of that or another future pick on top of that, like a maybe a second round pick or something like that. I think that can make a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to correct myself. It is the timeline pod. Excuse me. I uh, do not want to get that wrong. And it's Mike Vigil, not Vigil. It's just pronounced Vigil. So I, I apologize there I, if anybody's listening to that. They do a great job covering the Suns, and I've listened to their coverage on the DeAndre Ayton stuff. But but yeah, I think, honestly, if they don't want to – if Ayton doesn't want to go back to Phoenix and Phoenix is able to get Miles Turner, I think this is a, a deal that makes sense. But I, I was talking to some friends the other day, and I said, I really think if Sabonis was still on the roster that this deal would have already been done. I think Sabonis for Aiton would have been a done deal, and I think it would have probably benefited Phoenix a little bit more to have Sabonis over Turner, but I still think Turner could be a really nice fit with Chris Paul, with Devin Booker, with Bridges, and with Johnson. I don't know what else they're going to do. I think you could look at uh, trading Brogdon elsewhere, like we talked about, but even if you were able to move Brogdon in this deal um, and, and – and get DeAndre Ayton back. Is there any other suitors out there for Turner besides Phoenix? 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. I know, like, the draft really changed things on that for sure. And I like Charlotte was a team, maybe they still circle back around in there, but I have a really hard time seeing that now, especially if they pay Miles Bridges. So I would still not rule out Charlotte because they've been interested for multiple years. Maybe the Lakers, I guess, if you want to do the Russ thing all over again, which we already went over, it doesn't make a lot of sense from the Pacers side of things. Maybe Dallas, if you want to accept some expiring salaries, but that this is just the tough spot the Pacers are in, Alex. I mean, you have maybe Brogdon, that's a negative asset around the league because of his injury issues. And now, since you kept Miles Turner around, he's only an expiring contract now, so you're not going to get as much as you hope for. So, I mean, it's just a really tough spot they're in right now. Yeah, it, it is difficult. And so, I think there's still plenty of options out there. It just might not be what we were anticipating. So, uh, who, who knows what's going to happen, but I do think that um, there's probably a, a better market out there for Turner than there is Brogdon at this point. Number one, the age. Number two, the contract and the, and the amount of money owed. And number three, I think even though Turner has had some injuries over the past couple of years, he's not as injury prone as a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. But you get Brogdon ready for the playoffs. I mean, I think he could be a really big help to some of these teams. I think he could be an awesome fit with Dallas, with Phoenix, pretty much anywhere he would go, Miami, as a secondary guy. I think the biggest thing here, I talked about this on the radio uh, on, on Monday with Kevin and Query. I was just like, when Brogdon was brought here, he was brought to be Oladipo's sidekick. He wasn't brought to be the lead ball handler, the lead guard on this team. And he kind of had to become that with all the injuries to Oladipo, him not coming back as soon as they anticipated. Like, I think it was reported that he was able to come back like around November. And he said all the way out till January, they kind of let him handle his situation. And, you know, for, for me personally, I just feel like Brogdon's role grew here significantly because of Oladipo's injury situation was never what it was supposed to be for him. He was supposed to be that secondary guy. So I think if he's in that role as a secondary play playmaker or, or just a fit on one of these contending teams, he absolutely could benefit from that. And I think not having to carry as much of a workload on like he had to for the Pacers would help decrease the number of injuries he gets. Yeah, and I think this is a really good test run. I think he miles for this upcoming season where you have until February to decide if this is working or not. Like if there's a situation where Miles is letting it be known behind the scenes, he's not going to sign an extension or he's not going to let the Pacers know up until like July of next year, then you have the opportunity to flip him in February. Or if it's not working on the court, like you have the chance to flip him right away as well. So I think with Miles, you can be a lot more patient than Brogdon for sure. I think Brogdon's a lot more serious where you got to get room right now because you need to get Matherin, Duarte, and Halliburton all the minutes possible in that backcourt and Andrew Nemhart as well. He drafted at 31. And then with Miles, since you have not a lot of depth there and really just only Isaiah Jackson, I know they want to keep Jalen Stick-Smith around, but I think he's going to get more money than, I, than they're hoping for. So I think he's probably out the door, which makes the, their depth even less. So maybe just keep Miles around for that purpose only too, like just to see how he fits with Halliburton and just for depth purposes, he stays around. You can flip him in February to a contender. Yeah, uh, here's a pipe dream idea for you. What if the Pacers were super aggressive did the sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton and then also did a sign and trade for Miles Bridges. Um, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I think it is potentially doable money-wise, <laughs> probably not doable realistically, but I think that would be just such a fun team to have Bridges and Ayton in the front court with Duarte, with Halliburton, and with Matherin. I don't know if that just like gets you excited or not, but I love the idea of that. No, I mean, for sure, if it's possible, I mean, the Pacers should go for it. I know they're made it sure. I mean, Kelly Crosscall, like you mentioned today, I mean, Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, every single important figure in the Pacers front office 
have said it's going to be a long rebuild and Pacers fans should prepare for that. Like it's going to be a couple of years. So maybe they don't go on this aggressive timeline we're talking about where they go for eight or bridges. But I wrote today actually on basketballnews.com that if Miles Bridges does leave Charlotte, if a team offers an aggressive offer sheet to the Hornets and Miles Bridges, I think Indiana makes the most sense there. I mean, even Chad Buchanan mentioned on Kevin Aquiri, they have a hole right now at the wing at the three, four. And I think Miles Bridges could certainly be that long-term fit there. I think the Hornets would match up to a lot of a big number, but I think maybe if you get up to, I think 29 million was the number I put in my story. They can get up to if they renounce Jalen Smith. So if they were to do that, you could really put a, a lot of pressure on the Hornets, Alex. Like, would you be down for like a four year, $115 million deal, like $29 million per year for Bridges? Yeah, we talked about this yesterday on the podcast, and I said I'd be willing to offer Bridges and or eight in the max. I, I just, the Pacers with the salary cap, Jake Fisher reported it's going to go up significantly over the next couple of years with it rising, with the Pacers having that cap flexibility right now, with most of their young core being on rookie deals, Tyrese Halliburton, Duarte, Isaiah Jackson. Um, of course, O'Shea's on that short-term deal right now. Then they just got Matherin, Nimhard, Kendall Brown. Like all the young pieces here are on these rookie contracts. This is the time that you go out and offer the max. And I think it just speaks volumes to the rest of the team if you show that you're willing to spend on guys that you think could be here long-term. And personally for me, while I love Bridges, I don't necessarily view him as a, 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 a one or a first or second option on a really good playoff team. I think he's probably more of a, a really good third option on a playoff team. Um, that's where I'm at with him. So if you do go out and get him like number one, you're probably raising your floor a little bit, but your ceiling is not getting that much higher in my opinion, in terms of becoming like this great playing team, like you might be like the 10th or 11th seed, but you're not going to be that much better in this loaded Eastern conference that continues to just get better and stronger with adding bridges. So it doesn't really impact me fully what they're trying to do in terms of tanking. And I think that if they're smart enough, they'll lose games like they did last year. They'll lose games with style. Rotations will be very different. Rotations will be um, kind of head scratching in terms of like, why are they leaving a guy out there longer when he's not playing well? Because they know what they're trying to do. So that to me is where I'm at, Evan, with everything. But I would do the same thing for Aiden. I think Aiden's is the better overall player. But I think Bridges is the better overall fit in terms of what kind of players a pace need to add to the roster. I agree. And I, it's going to be very interesting now. We're less than 24 hours away from free agency starting out, except for those who are listening now that it's already started. I imagine the Mattis is going to be crazy tomorrow. I mean, what, what do you have any predictions, like, just generally about tomorrow? Because, I mean, it's been quiet the last few hours before we started recording. So I could imagine probably after we start, after we stop recording or some all throughout tomorrow, it's going to be absolutely wild. Yeah, I, I, my bold prediction last night was that the Pacers – trade for DeAndre Ayton. That was my bold prediction. I said Jalen Smith would come back. I said they would move Miles Turner. And I forget what my other one was. There's another like uh, trade that they could make. I don't even know what it was, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at with every, or a free agent they could sign. I think I said like Bruce Brown or something like that. Um, just throwing out some random stuff there. I, I honestly have no idea. I think the Pacers are just in a really unique situation because they're one of the only teams that has cap space that hasn't made significant moves over the last couple of days. It's pretty much been Indiana, Detroit, and San Antonio. Is there a team I'm missing? Does OKC have a bunch of cap space as well? I, I think not this year just because they're holding on to um, the SGA contract. And I believe they have like a couple of veterans, like Derek Favors and stuff on their books too. Right. So I was just looking at it like, okay, these are the teams that, in my opinion, like we're one of the only teams that – has that cap space that could make some sense to go out and just try to sign somebody outright. That's why Colin Sexton, like the odds for him going to the Pacers was number one. If he doesn't stay in Cleveland, it's just like, 
we don't need Colin Sexton. It doesn't make any sense to me roster-wise why I would go after him. But at the end of the day, I just feel like there's so much going on here um, that the Pacers are going to get involved somehow. I, I do think they're going to make some moves. And I think they're actually going to get probably a better return than what we threw out there for Brogdon. Maybe I'll be disappointed, but I still think that there's going to be something that happens. I think they're going to be more aggressive than people realize. And um, while they're preaching, it's going to be a long rebuild. I think they're just trying to set the fan base up for, hey, it might not be like, oh, we're about to make the playoffs again. Like, don't get your hopes up. We're, we're trying to build this thing the right way. So, um, but that doesn't mean that they won't be aggressive in my opinion. Yeah, it long overdue. I mean, as someone that grew up in Indy uh, throughout his life, just seeing the Pacers kind of have a downturn the last couple of years, been kind of disappointing to watch, but now kind of seeing them reset and have Tyrese Halliburton, who I think was one of the best players in his draft class. You get Benedict Mather, I think a superstar upside in this league as a scorer. I mean, this is kind of the hope now. I mean, it might be a quieter offseason for Pacers fans. Like, you're not going to get a splashy move. Maybe I'm surprised by that, and they make a big move and over the weekend, like you mentioned, Alex. But, I mean, focus on Halliburton, focus on Matherin, focus on Isaiah Jackson. Like, these guys are the future. Hopefully next year, if the Pacers are bad enough, you add, like, a Victor Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson or a Dariq Whitehead to the mix. You're cooking with gas there, Alex. I mean, just Pacers fans got to be patient a little bit. Is that what makes you a little bit nervous that they go after Aiton and maybe that's why it's been so quiet because they just believe so much in the future of Isaiah Jackson? Yeah, I would. That's the one holdup I would have is I'm, I'm very high on Isaiah Jackson. I think he's a guy to me that could be a modern NBA biggest and play off the floor in playoff situations because of his switchability, almost like DeAndre Aiden there. So I, I think that's really what is key with Isaiah Jackson. He's a developing shooter as well. He's a guy to me that won't be, be play off the floor throughout, throughout the prime of his career. So I'm a huge fan of Isaiah and especially 2023's draft class too. Like I don't want to look at it too much there, but the Spurs already started it with Victor Wimbem Yama. Like this guy's the next LeBron James as far as prospect hype goes. So you get on the train now. He could be a guy Pace fans are watching out for throughout the season. Yeah, for sure. And I and I think that that's true with Isaiah Jackson as well. Like we know they're really high on him. Like listening to Rick Carlisle talk about him, he just gushes over him. Um, there's still potential they could bring Jalen Smith back. So once that domino falls too, I think that could also be a, a factor in what they do. But I, I, I could see, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is a possibility where I could see Isaiah Jackson and DeAndre Ayton playing side by side together, similar to what we saw in Boston with Horford and Robert Williams. Oh, you, yeah, for sure. You would certainly need to bet on Isaiah Jackson being a good shooter though, because DeAndre, that's the big thing in his profile so far. He's He's had the green light throughout his career under Monty Williams, but he just simply refuses to shoot from three. So that's the worrisome thing is he has great touch in the mid-range, great touch around the rim, but he simply does not have the confidence or is just simply unwilling to shoot threes. So if that's to work with, with Isaiah and DeAndre, you would definitely need to bank on Isaiah being a good three-point shooter. Well, I hope to see him develop that this year, Evan. Obviously, it's going to be an exciting time. So um, with that being said, everybody, make sure you guys check us out on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. My co-host Mike Focci is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Over on Instagram at Pacers Talk. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, setting the page. Just check us out. And Evan, where can people find you at on social media? Yeah, you guys can go ahead and follow me on Twitter if you haven't already, at Sidery at E-S-I-D-E-R-Y. I'm the National Indy Report for BasketballNews.com. So I'm very much looking forward to the Pacers offseason. They're one of the teams I've been looking out for. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. It's going to be a really fun weekend. I imagine Pacers fans are locked in on that as well. All right, Evan. Well, at the end of all of our podcasts, I don't know if you listen to all of them, but we always say let's go Pacers. So, Evan, if you're excited for some craziness here with the NBA free agency tomorrow, say these three words. Oh, let's go Pacers, Alex. Let's go Pacers!
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com